welcome to the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. A reminder, we are streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. I am joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who biked to the office today because the subway closure happens like once a day, at least once a day, actually. So, uh, Alex, uh, first off, congratulations on making it to work on time. And uh, congrats on, you know, watching game four you know, live at the arena with myself, with Keyshawn, you know, it's a gr- great time. Oh, jo- Joseph Cacharo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Lee Van Osman, happy birthday. Again? Yeah, no, uh, so excited to be in here today to talk to you about the Raptors. Mm. The season is still ongoing. A uh, quick question for you. You know, we know that no team has come back from a 3-0 deficit in yep. the NBA. yep. Would you trade uh, never watching the Raptors again or covering them in exchange for them coming back in this series to win in seven? What? Yeah. What kind of question is that? Oh, right? I just want to know because all hands no, are on man. deck. Like, how much are you willing to put on the line for the Raptors to come back? How much do you actually care about the Raptors? No, I mean, come on, man. Okay. This no, I just, just want to know series. where you stand. It's, it's <laughs> all good. Just, this is just one series, ultimately. <laughs> no, listen, game four was sensational. Um, the energy in the building was, I got to say, a little nervous. It's fine. It's normal. It's understandable. I've been in that building down 03 before. I've seen like Corey Joseph and Patrick Patterson try to go against LeBron and Kyrie Irving. So, you know, it wasn't quite uh, wasn't quite that depressing. It was it was a little low at the start, but then Scotty Barnes wins Rookie of the Year, and like the vibes are like instantly reset. Raptors play well, and like I don't know, man. I I just I was thinking back to the Friday show that we did, and I was like, you know what? After Game Three. This team could do something. Like I know you're mm-hmm. demoralized. Everyone's demoralized because you, you 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 lose on that shot. You lose in overtime, and B hits the shot. You know he's doing all this other stuff. You know Drake celebrating like he won the chip too. And it's like, damn, this is this is tough. We're not gonna come back from this. But like I said, I was like, yo, the Raptors played way better in Game Three. The game plan is like most of the way there. They're starting to actually execute it, and now you can compete. There's no guarantee you come back. There's probably again, you'd have to really make history if you do come back. But you can compete. It's just the Sixers. And that's what the Raptors showed in game four. It was just the Sixers. They outplayed them the whole game. I thought, honestly, the Raptors, if they could just hit wide open threes, there were like eight of 34 from three, right? Um, if they, they remember even early in the quarter, it was like guys were missing layups. Remember Fred had the, the ball, loose ball, chasing it down, fast break, and then it just squirts out of his hands. Like, when do you ever see that from Fred? Yeah, we'll see that tonight. Fred is out with a hip flexor so. strain. We'll, we'll get more into the game four, game five preview mm. later on. And we'll talk about Scotty Barnes winning rookie of the year. We've got Lewis Zatzman from Raptors Republic joining us in the second hour. First so, team all uh, Raptors Twitter nerd. Yeah, yeah. So you two can just <laughs> nerd out and I can take an on-air break. But yeah, I'm with you thinking about it. This is Monday, this guy wants to take a break. <laughs> Come on, man. That's a shame, please. Oh, all these jokes are becoming true now. Um, But yeah. I was thinking about this too. You know, you take it one game at a time, blah, 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 Mm. all the cliches, but you look at the way that this series is playing out. The Raptors clearly are playing a lot better now compared to the first two games in Philadelphia. I think both games three and four was really reflective of what we all expected to see in this series. And I'm totally with you, you know, with or without Fred or even with, without Scotty in game three, like, this is a pretty even matchup if you're just looking at a game to game now. And, you know, the difficulty is number one, they're down 3 1. Number two, I think there's going to be two desperate teams tonight. I mm. think Philadelphia is going to be pretty desperate too. 
you know, given Joel Embiid's injury status, given the fact that they want to end this series as soon as possible so they can get some rest before they play probably Miami in the second round. And I don't think the Sixers want to come back to Toronto for a game six, and they definitely don't want to be staring down at a potential game seven this weekend after blowing a 3-0 lead. So the Raptors are going to have to withstand a couple runs from the Sixers. You know, Joel Embiid's already talked about playing more physical uh, for this game. So I think the first quarter is going to tell us a lot tonight. And and the Raptors have been one of the best road teams this season. Mm -hmm. And they're going to have to come up with a huge performance tonight. Yeah, no, absolutely. But again, it's funny how much like one game can change things. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you win that game four, all of a sudden you look at things so much more optimistically. Like, um, that's what I was saying after game three. I was like, look, you can do this. And the Raptors, once again, executed the game plan. Their defense was very strong, held the Sixers to 102 points. Um, James Harden, 5 of 17 shooting. Joel Embiid scored as he always does, gets the free throw line as he always does. But you started to see, like, some unraveling from him. And that's my thing that I wanted to ask you is just like, look, with Joel, do you not really get the sense that, like, Okay, when things are going great, it, they're going really great. He's celebrating. He's you know you know he's uh, yelling into the crowd. He's um, doing the airplane. Like you know like when when things are good for Joel, they're really good. But when things go bad, do you see that sense of composure from him? Because we're seeing him now in two playoff series now, 2019, and now this year. And I was a little surprised. You would think at holding a three nothing series lead and afterwards a three one series lead that he wouldn't be as, um, I don't know, bothered as as he was. So let me let me get your thoughts on Joel Embiid's antics. Yeah, name me another superstar who would be up 3-0 in the first round, mm-hmm. lose a game four, which by all accounts right now doesn't really mean much because no team has blown a 3-0 lead. Sure. You know, yeah. the Raptors get a win in game four. They play for pride, all of that stuff. It's a 3-1 series now. The Sixers still have two of the next three games at home. Name me another superstar player in the fourth quarter as they're trailing, you know, about to lose their first game of the series, who would do the things that he did, like shove Pascal Siakam Mm. after he was clearly crossing half court to call a timeout. I know you compared it. It, It's like a miniature version of of the one time when Patrick Beverly hurt Russell Westbrook. This wasn't the same. Well, he didn't die for his knees, which is, you know, thankfully. But but the intent intent was there to, like, you know, do something after the whistle. And then pick up a, and then I think he got into it with OG later mm-hmm. on and, yep. and OG picked up a technical and then everybody saw as he was walking off the court, he was clapping towards the refs, you yep. know, giving them these slow claps, Sh- showing them up. Yep. Yeah. And, and then he obviously talked about it uh, after the game as well. Like name me another star player who would do this yeah. in the first round. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I just couldn't understand how, why he was so pressed. Like you, you, you also just hit the game winner. <laughs> In game three, yeah. like oh. you were just coming off a game winning MVP mm-hmm. performance. Your team did not play well yep. in game four. You just go home and take care of the series. And, and maybe they will tonight. But yes, we, we were talking about the front running mentality of this Sixers team. Mm-hmm. And we saw a little bit of it. That's why I really want the Raptors to get the win tonight. Because if you get the win tonight, yeah, then the pressure is really on. Yeah. And I'm just really curious to see how that team in particular responds to pressure. That's all I'm trying to say is like, look, realistically, this should be a scenario where it's 2-2 and you could really feel good about how things are going. Obviously, you know, you have no margin of error left, but I I like the way they were getting into Joel. And when you think about the Sixers on that side, so, you know, 
they're starting to get banged up as well. Starting with Joel's, you know, uh, finger, which as you know, um, we're not going to disclose what, what I said 86 times in the booth, but you can maybe guess. Yeah, we definitely won't. Yeah, Joel yeah. Embiid will require surgery mm. on his ligament tear in his right thumb. But he's going to play through it, right? But he's going to play through. He's going to wait till after the Sixers mm. season. I think people have mentioned. I think A lot Jay- of physicality in this series, isn't that? I think Jalen Brown had a similar injury, mm. I want to say, last season, and he opted for surgery mm. and ended up not playing. So you you can clearly see it's it's bothering him. To what extent that it's bothering him, I don't know. I, well, I, I mean, feel he's like, still hitting like tons of yes. jumpers. He's still hitting free throws. Like all that's there, but you could tell. Like so for for people watching at home, you can see it. Like even when he's getting helped off off the floor, because you know he's gonna fall eighty six times a game, right? Um, it's the new uh, Dwayne Wade commercial. Remember, fall down seven times, get up eight. It's actually fall down seventy times, get up eighty uh, seventy one times. Uh, anyway, well, Joe, so he's gonna fall down a ton, right? And when you see when the teammates come over to help him up, he's specifically not letting them touch his right hand and using his left hand to pull him up. You can even see him when he's on the bench, and this is something where we're in the arena, he's always shaking it, he's always playing with it, he's always icing it, which obviously that's what you're supposed to be doing is icing it. But, like, you know, you could tell it's bothering him when you could you could, you could see, like, little moments where he is, um, you know, either on shot contests, on on loose balls, on, on you know, when you dive for a ball. Like, the thing with Embiid, he, he's so involved both ends, right? He has the ball all the time offensively, has, and he's so involved defensively. It's going to keep happening he's gonna keep getting shaken up about it and i think that on that side that's the biggest thing if you can continue to go at joel again nothing like intentional whatsoever that's that's just really below the raptors right what i'm saying is it's inevitable that when when a guy plays that physically and he's that involved and it's his right hand it's gonna happen in basketball man people are gonna touch your thumb and so the more the series goes i really want to see how the his effect in this um is affected by it quite frankly game four was his least effective game We'll see how he responds to all that. You could still play really dominant basketball without necessarily um, shooting the ball that great. And we can see, like, for example, game two, I thought Embiid did a really good job of physical basketball, cutting into spaces, you know, bumping guys out of position, you know, rolling hard. And no matter the guy could have no right thumb and people would still foul him. Right. So um, he could still impact the game. But I, I think the longer the series goes, like you're really, really starting to see some cracks there. You saw Tobias Harris towards the end of game five. Remember that play where he like slapped up Pascal Siakam three times, then ran across and, and grabbed his arm on a fadeaway jumper and then complained about the foul call. And he sat down for a while there because he banged his left knee. And he was shaken up a little bit. I thought Tyrese Maxey fell over a few times and was holding his wrist a few times. So listen, the more you go at this team, I think the, the the attrition battle is going to favor the Raptors. And by the way, the attrition battle has not favored the Raptors because they literally lost Scotty in game one because Joel stepped on his foot. Again, accidentally, people play hard, just like how sometimes people might play hard against his hand. And, like, we're going to see a similar scenario. And we saw Gary, obviously, he was under the weather, not himself. Games three and four, Gary has been awesome. Um, and now Fred goes out, right? Fred picks up the, the hip flexor injury, and, and he rips his jersey. Like, the attrition battle has not favored the Raptors. But I think in the long run here, when you're starting to play the Sixers, they only really have four guys that they're beating you with. It's Joel, it's James Harden, it's Tobias Harris, and it's Tyrese Maxey. If they lose one guy, it's a lot different than the Raptors losing one guy. So I'm just saying, like, just just keep playing hard, keep being physical with this team, and they're not going to like it. And you can already tell if you punch this team back in the, you know, you know, if you push back a little bit, this is, that's how they responded. They like they objectively they flipped out to the Raptors just outplaying them for a game. Yeah, it's um, so so you mentioned uh, we, we talked a little bit about Joel Embiid talking about the officiating, which has been 
you know, the, a conversation that's gone on since the beginning of the series. Here's what he said post game when he was asked about the officiating. Well, I'm going to take my own advice and not complain about fouls, but, you know, like I, you know, like I was doing at the end of the game, they did a great job. Uh, you know, I was, you know, I admire the job that they did today. Um, to me, it felt like they had one job, you know, coming in here uh, tonight. And uh, they got it done, so congrats to them. Can I, can I infer that the job was to make sure there's a game five? I don't know, but <laughs> you can, uh, I'm not, I don't, I really don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm, you can figure it out. Sure. Uh, but uh, they, they did a great job. Uh, uh, I'm not going, like I said, I'm not going, I'm going to take my own advice and not complain about it. Uh, I guess next game, uh, they're not going to call it. Uh, I'm going to be even more aggressive uh, offensively and defensively. And, you know, if they want to give them, you know, like fouls or if they want to call, you know, really no fouls, uh, you know, really got to make them earn it and really be physical. Well, he did complain about it, even though he said he didn't want to, you know. Oh, but he said, but listen, this is the funny thing with like, this is when he called out Nick Nurse and all that stuff. And I'm like, this, everyone plays this game, especially you guys. So, no, it's it's just really funny. Like, I, I genuinely don't find it, like, anything offensive. I don't take any exception to this. The NBA is fine, by the way, 15K. Um, you know, and listen, it, 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 look, I just think that he's clearly very bothered, and I, and I enjoy it. I want to see Joel bothered. I want to see him complaining about the referees. I want to see his focus be diverted. I want to see him not play 100% because that's how the Raptors get back in the series. Yeah, if he's but, complaining about the referees. If he's if he if he's elsewhere, if he's falling over, if he's complaining about foul calls, it's just good for the Raptors, man. Let's just keep playing basketball, man. Yeah, my thing is, if you're gonna complain, I want to hear what the specific things you're actually upset about because it sounds like he's just in general not happy with the oh. physical play that's happening. Because like you know when Nick Nurse mm. did his pregame complaint before game two, yeah, uh, you know a classic calling out the refs before the game. <laughs> You're a coward. <laughs> yeah. I'll call this game. And he, he, you know, specifically uh, mentioned there was, there was a couple plays that yeah. he wasn't happy about. It sounds like Joel is just not thrilled with the fact that the Raptors defense is allowed to, to get away with the physicality, which I think they're I doing mean, it within the bounds on. of the rules. I mean, come on, man. Of course. What do you mean? The Raptors defense get, getting away with the physicality. I, but think, that's what I think what he's looking at is Pascal Siakam shooting 15 free throw attempts mm -hmm. um, in game four. And he's thinking, well, if you're going to get Pascal, go back and watch. I, yo, honestly, towards the end, they were just intentionally fouling him. Mm -hmm. So, like, no, man, just play better defense on him. Like, for real. And beat fouled him twice in the fourth quarter and stuff like that. It was just like Pascal hit him with the hezzy. He, 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 like, got out of position and Pascal got by him and he pushed him from behind. Like, the, you're, you're getting beat. Like, this is what I was trying to say after, the, like, games one and two when people Raptor fans were going really, really hard at the officials. And some of those were definitely questionable foul calls. But, like, at the same time, it was just, like, the reason you're fouling so much and the reason they're going to the free throw line is getting your beat. It's the same thing here. The, um, Pascal Siakam changed his approach. He was awesome in game four. You know, I think he really deserves a ton of credit for stepping up at that moment. He led the team into that in that position where, again, the Raptors were shorthanded. Fred was out. He was the only guy in there leading the team. And he did a really great job. And his determination from the get-go was, I'm going to be in attack mode. Like, you saw the first six points. It was all scored by Pascal of the game. Right there's he saw Joel Embiid on a switch. He hit a pull up jumper. It was like twenty feet out, but he still you know was aggressive. Looked for that shot. You know he he drove past Tyrese Max. He hit him with the spin move. Scored. Got uh, to the basket against Danny Green. He scored. Like 
that was his approach all game. He was going to attack. And guess what, man? Like, they're going to eventually call you for fouls. Like, that Tobias Harris play is a classic example. Like, if you see that play, two hands, reaches in, pushes Pascal late in the clock. They don't call it. Then he, like, he loses the ball because he's literally been pushed. He goes to get the ball back, makes a move, gets hand-checked again, raked across the hands, and then finally, like, Tobias jumps through his body, and that's when they finally call the foul. And then Tobias sits down and complains. It's like, yo, come on, man. Like, again, you're just getting beat there. So the the complaining about fouls is is, is very funny from both ends, but I also think that, like, you know, it, the Sixers got to show a little bit of self-awareness there, just like the Raptors probably do as well. But, again, this is the game. This is the playoffs. Like, if you could, you know, influence – if you can even get one extra foul call – for the price of 15k of a fine, I think he would do it. Yeah, would you pay that for the Raptors to have a 20 uh, free throw disparity tonight? What I personally pay yeah, 15,000 yeah, 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 yeah. for the Raptors. Just, to get... just want to see how much you care yeah, about absolutely. tonight's Absolutely. Game. Are you kidding okay, me? Okay, okay. I'll pitch in a hundred dollars. Uh, so okay. here's Doc Rivers, Canadian, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, here's yeah, Doc yeah, Rivers got, talking talking about uh, how uh, he doesn't want to complain uh, the same way that the Raptors do. Mm. You know, I, I guess the answer after the game, you know, is yes tonight um but i don't want to take away from what toronto did i thought they played hard they they um you know played a bigger lineup at times and did a lot of switching so give them some credit you know like they they, they deserve to win the game tonight um i'm not gonna sit here and complain i'm not gonna be you know what they do we just we got beat tonight yeah nice i'm not gonna do what they do <laughs> after you just did it like you said it's part of the game but it's like no, listen man, it's all in the game you got the shot i got the shotgun you got the briefcase it's all in the game though just complain you know, joel and b got the sweep through oh, james harden man. got the rip through but it's uh, all in the game though all right if, if raps if raps win tonight i'm gonna come in with an undone tie tomorrow Yo, just like please. omar no for real like it has to be you. like that man i got but, no, you but it's it's kind of i mean what can you really say? Like, it wasn't like the Raptors were getting a friendly whistle. I mean, can I ask you this? So, like, you can complain about the whistle, right? Was a single Sixer in foul trouble? Like, did the Sixers have to say, oh, we can't play this guy in the first half because he's in foul trouble? Did this, the Sixers have to adjust their uh, rotation because a guy was in foul trouble? Did Joel Embiid have to not play physical at the basket because they're in foul trouble? No. So just shut the hell up, man. Damn. Yeah, and did the Sixers not stay in the game because Joel uh, James Harden was drawing a bunch of fouls, just flailing, flailing his arms? Of course. In the fourth quarter. So Pascal was also asked about that specific play that we mentioned when he, you know, dribbled past half court, called the timeout, mm. and and Bede kind of came over and gave him gave him a little shove. Mm. Uh, here's Pascal on the physical play in game four. Um, I mean, I think... <laughs> I think it's tricky, right? Like, it's, I mean, I, I love, I, I mean, I'm a competitor, man. Like, I love, I love, you know, the, comp like, the you know, just being competitive and, and, you know, fighting. This is the playoffs, man, the highest level um, for us. And, and, and I think I'm, I'm cool with all that. Like, you know, the, the talking and, and, and all those stuff, like, it's fine. I just, you know, I just, you know, I, I just don't want, you know, like, just little dirty plays. Like, I, I, that for me, that's, that, I, don't, I don't like that, right? Like, I, I think we just, just got to keep it basketball, you know, just, just go out there, compete, you know, play hard at the highest level. Um, uh, just, yeah, just no, 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 no dirty plays. And, and just like, I mean, but at the end of the day, it's, it's all fake toughness, though. So, sorry. It is fake toughness, though. You know why it's fake toughness? <clears throat> so, Pascal called the timeout, right? Then Joel Embiid delivers the body check. And that's very smart from Joel because all you can get called for there is a tech. Or maybe a flagrant. They weren't going to call a flagrant. They called it a tech. You get one free throw off a tech. You 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 actually tackle Pascal. You put him, you give him two free throws. A smart move by Pascal. A smart move by Joel, knowing when to deliver that body check. And listen, I mean, like that was just completely unnecessary. But watching it, 
and and I, I I tweeted this in real time too. It was just like uh, like two minutes in the game before that, there was a sequence where it was super physical down low. You know, Joel tried to uh, you know, I, don't, I mean, what can I say? He tried to he tried to exaggerate for a call against Pascal the first time. Hits the deck, doesn't really get the call in trans. Like just two guys running in transition, he's like falls over right. Tries to get the call, doesn't get the call. Picks himself back up. Then he's like. Shoving and pushing with Pascal again. Guys are just you know Pascal's trying to stay on the inside, keep Pascal out of the lane. Then you got Gary coming in and pitching him on the same side, so it's a two on one in that scenario. Joel Embiid's kind of pushing. The shot goes up from I forget who. Um, Joel ends up pushing Pascal and whatever, and like just playing physical basketball. Like I'm not even complaining. This is just straight up physical basketball, right? Joel ends up picking up the offensive rebound. He's a little bit deep in the paint, tries to go up, and then I think Precious came over with the help, and Pascal was also there contest. Joel falls over again. And then the next play down, because Joel is down, the, the, the Raptors go the other way, and that's when Niang delivered the hard, intentional foul on Precious Achua, who, again, was running free because Joel had fallen over. Like, that's the kind of physical uh, level of play that I really, really enjoy. And I think that's what everyone likes about playoff basketball. But, you know, I think that's where that whole thing began. Because two minutes later, the first time Pascal is able to go one-on-one against Joel, Joel does that to him. And look, listen, I think that's been one of my favorite things about the series is just like seeing this like simmering tension between Pascal and Joel. You know, you might think, well, you know, there are only two Cameroonian players in the league. Maybe there's a bond there. Sure, there is. I'm sure they probably, you know, have to overcome a lot of circumstances in the same way. You know, there's not exactly like a direct pipeline to the NBA from Cameroon. But like at the same time, when they play each other, you can tell they're annoyed at each other, man. I think Pascal's especially annoyed at Joel. I just think that there's just things that when you play against them, when you compete against them, you can accept getting beat. You can accept him making that shot. It's a tremendous play. The the hard thing, I think, for a lot of people to see is like a 300-pound man who's playing that physical all the time, falling over all the time at the slightest of contact and trying to play that game as well. It just feels like... uh, (laughs) just feels excessive. It feels physically impossible. Like, it doesn't feel like the... The laws of uh, momentum are conserved in that scenario. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of, uh, you know, a player wearing number 21 dealing with a thumb injury, uh, there was another one on the court on, on Saturday who who did, you know, keep his composure, didn't complain about the refs. Mr. Everything Everywhere All at Once, Thad Young, oh, came through. That's right. With <laughs> that's right. a monster game. The Michelle the only, of the Raptors. <laughs> yeah, the only number 21 we acknowledge. This guy put googly eyes on and that's it was over. right. 13, Tom Gugliota. Whoa, how'd you know that? Uh, 13 points, five rebounds, five assists, three steals, one block. Uh, it's And he also dropped uh, the other 21, Joel mm. Embiid, on a little crossover dribble that had the fans and, and the Raptors bench really excited. Bro, I couldn't believe that, man. Yeah, that was Yo, a moment Imagine of getting dropped off by Thad Young. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The only time Thad Young dropped somebody off is probably his kids at, like, school, at a, at a kiss and ride zone. And he <laughs> dropped Joel at the kiss and ride zone. He just said... Here you go. Have a nice day at work. Thad was literally asked about this after the game. When was the last time that he remembers crossing someone over? And his two kids were sitting there in the media room and he pointed to one of them. He's probably, he's like probably one of those knuckleheads. Mm. So yeah. shouts to Thad Young really stepped up in, yep. in a must win game. They, they need, we need to get Magic Johnson on the phone because uh, Thad really reminded me of Magic <laughs> on Saturday. That's all I'm going to say. I saw a little showtime in him. Oh man. No, we saw a little showtime. It was nice, man. I like that. Um, no, but I think m- m- the thing that was even more impressive than the, the crossover, which like, again, people slip or whatever, like it's fine. Right. Um, what was most impressive to me was the three dimes, man, man, like the, the three assists to uh, Chris Boucher 
right? Where I haven't seen, and the thing I missed the most about Marcus All, aside from the fact that he held Joel and beat to zero points one time, by the way, you know, um, is is the fact that uh, you could have him at the top of the floor, pull an opposing big out of the paint, and let guys cut, and he would make that right pass. It's just such a beautiful way to play basketball. And we saw Thad do that and 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 find Chris twice at the basket. Um, and I think that's been like a that's got to be something they work on, right? Like I, I'm sure, like um, you know, they talk about it. The two of them coming off the bench, they're going to play together quite a bit. And uh, it was a great bit of coordination. And then I think the third play again, the Sixers had a man down because um, they fall over every time on on offense. So the Raptors were getting a transition. And uh, they got the ball out, and Thad made the extra pass to Chris Boucher in the corner for three as well. I just thought that that, that pairing worked really well off the bench. Salute to Chris, salute to to, to, to Thad. And then, listen, um, those two guys are very important because the Sixers don't really have a difference maker off the bench. Like, right now, their best guy off the bench, at least in Toronto without Matisse, was, was Georges Niang. Niang is, like, I, I don't know what he's shooting from three in the series. It has to be, like, I'm not even kidding, like 60% at least? Yeah, I think it was 9 of 13 at one point. Okay, so yeah, like he's been like shooting lights out. He touches the ball, that thing's going up, it's going in, right? Thing is, he's also really, really bad defensively, and we, we see that. He, he ended up fouling out in that game. And that's a very ethical foul out, by the way, because he's really just getting roasted on defense and getting targeted on defense. But like the Sixers don't have a difference maker off the bench, whereas the Raptors do have two potential difference makers. And we saw Thad finally make his impact in the series. I thought Chris has played a good series outside of game one um, where he ended up fouling out. So it's like... You know, there's there's a, a big role for those two to play, and uh, yeah, they play beautifully. Our producer says nine of thirteen, sixty nine percent. Damn, that's tough. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Listen, good, good for Niang, but seriously though, the Raptors are scoring like like I said, every time he scores one point, the Raptors score two points on him. Yeah, no, I like yeah. that math. Um, yeah, the Raptors just got to withstand that first quarter tonight. I think the first quarter is going to be tough. They got to keep their composure. All of that stuff. Uh, before we go to break, shouts to Gary Trent Jr., like you mentioned, back-to-back 24-point games in the two games in Toronto. Uh, feeling better. was rocking a Burberry puffer after, even though it was 20 <laughs> degrees outside. Hey, man, listen. No, you know, if, if you're getting fits off, you don't need to, you don't dress for the weather. I was going to say, how many times do you wear the Arcturix <laughs> coat to, to this It's a little man. cold in this studio, you know? We set the temperature uh, ourselves. That's what they built those jackets for. And I, I do want to... You know, we should spend a couple minutes on Pascal Siakam mm. because as much as we talk about his struggles in game three, you know, we should also just, you know, show him some love for, for his bounce back game in game four playoff career high 34 points. Like you mentioned, he got to the free throw line 15 times. That's right. And this was one of the best games by a Raptor when facing elimination. You know, the only players who have scored more points in an elimination game then Pascal in franchise history are Kawhi Leonard, Vince Carter, and Kyle Lowry yep. with 35 points. Oh, man. Twice. I was going to say, I, I feel like um, I can remember all those instances, man. Yeah. You, know? you could definitely remember all the Kyle games because you, you remember the Kyle zero games and you remember the Kyle 35 games. Yeah. You can remember them no, all. No, Kyle, that's game seven, 2016, yep. conference finals against, uh, or conference semifinals against Miami. Yep. Kawhi, obviously, game seven. By the way, Kawhi in that game, didn't he show like 40 times? Or something like that? <laughs> nah, yeah. Kawhi was like, nah, if I'm going out, this is going to be the Kobe. Kawhi's like, game, everybody man. looks shook except for Serge. Like, I'll just do this yeah. and then leave after we win it's the not, championship. Oh God, I, hate, I hate talking about Kawhi yeah. on the show. I just genuinely hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But we must bring him up all the time. But <laughs> uh, then, anyway, 
That laugh's not even <laughs> funny anymore, man. Anyways, Pascal Siakam, yeah. game four performance. Yeah, no, I loved it, man. I, I thought the approach was exactly what you needed to see from him. The way he was attacking relentlessly was awesome. I think Fred going out um, early in that game, obviously suffering the hip flexor injury, really put the ball into Pascal's court in the sense that, like, no one else is going to take it and go. It's, it's going to be you. You're going to be the point guard. You're going to have it every time down. And I love to see it. Like, it was great. I, he just, I thought he set the tone so well for the rest of the team. The thing is, when you have a guy attacking like that, even no matter how much he's scoring, of course, that doesn't help. But, like, even when he's just going with that mentality, it's easier for the rest of the guys to follow up and play around them, right? Like, it's so much easier for guys to know that, okay, Pascal's going to attack. He's going to try to beat his man. If he's going to beat his man, someone's going to help over. Someone's going to get open for, like, a catch-and-shoot three. Someone's going to get open under the basket for a cut, for a dunk. Someone's going to be able to crash the offensive class and get to the weak side. Like, you can predict and, and play as a team a lot better when your number one guy is attacking with that kind of mentality because you know exactly what he's going to do. When he's doing the little tee pass to, to Precious Achua as he <laughs> oh, did man. in game three, then it's like, okay, I don't know what's going on, and we don't have any structure, and a lot of our offense goes empty, right? So I, I really enjoyed seeing it. And quite frankly, like coming into the series, I did expect more of this from Pascal because naturally looking at the Sixers side, outside of putting Embiid on him, which – but it is a good option. It definitely is a very good option, but it does sort of limit your defense elsewhere if you have Embiid consistently guarding Pascal Siakam, and in addition to the fact that it probably tires him out. And by the way, Joel gets tired quickly, man. The Patrick Ewing thing is 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 like probably the best best one analysis you've given on this show all oh, season. Oh, appreciate it. That's a low yeah. bar. Um, but is it? We've no, man. It. You calling him? You say he sweats like Patrick <laughs> Ewing is is is. Is probably one of my defining moments of the series. That's right. My job is done here. (laughs) No, I think the one thing we noticed too when we're at the games, when there's a stoppage in play, like they always have to come out and mop the floor exactly where Joel is standing because of all the sweat. Like we're not even kidding. Joel's got to tip the ball boys and the the, the attendees who who end up mopping the floor because they they might have to put an extra mop person on the floor, man. Like, (laughs) no, for real. Like we might have to get the whole the whole curling team out there like it's seriously like he's gonna hit the floor and it's gonna be sweaty on that side no but seriously though i I love seeing pascal's approach even at the start of the fourth quarter right the game was tight pascal starts the fourth quarter he plays the entire fourth quarter as he usually does um and first play right coming right out is he attacks tobias harris scores attacks tobias harris scores and it's just like the way he's getting to the free throw line the way he was unbothered by the whole thing his handle was there he was aggressive he was getting to the free throw line he was making his free throws even in big moments i thought i mean like Whatever, a banked in three is a banked in three. But it was a big, big moment in the game where the Sixers were making their push in the third quarter. Game three, the Sixers were able to even the game because of the third quarter. They erased a 10-point deficit and got it down to one after the third. Um, so for Pascal to hold off the Sixers, because it felt like for a second there, the Sixers are going to try to come back. And if they had taken the lead, the Raptors would lose momentum there and maybe lose grip of the whole series. And there's a play where it was like two seconds left. Pascal comes up and bails out somebody who was stuck with the ball and comes behind him and, and shoots like a 30-footer from three and he banks it in. Like, I know that's a lucky shot, but that's a big, big moment in the game that he was able to deliver on. And then on top of the fact that when you watch the game back defensively, wow, he was awesome, man. Switching on a guy, switching on a Tyrese Maxey. It's been interesting seeing him guard Tyrese because um, that's one of the things that reminds me so much of Pascal at the start of his career. One of the biggest uh, moments Pascal had at the start of his career was like um, 2018 against the Wizards. He was starting in that series. Sorry, he was coming off the bench in that series. And, um, you know, they had him guard John Wall quite a bit. And John Wall is, like, similar, you know, in, in profile to, to a Tyrese Maxey. I think Tyrese probably shoots a better. Wall, definitely a better driver just in general. But, like, still very, very explosive, quick guards, right? And the fact that Pascal, with his size, but also his quick feet, is able to stick with these guys is is something that, um, you know, he was 
just able to show here once again that he has that ability to be switchable defensively to guard the toughest opponents. He takes shifts against um, James Harden. He was guarding Joel Embiid. The help defense was great there too. He was rebounding as well, pushing the break. So it's basically like exactly what you wanted to see from Pascal. And if we see that again, if we see that three more times in this series, the Raptors could win this and, and pull off the three comeback. Yeah, let's let's just get so. one more at least tonight. Uh, per Ryan Wolstad of the Toronto Sun, Raptors are eight and zero all time in the playoffs when Pascal scores twenty five points or more, and I think they're going to need that tonight. So, yeah, we got one more playoff cliche. By the way, we have a new playoff cliche now. Oh, okay. Because it's three uh, one. Nick Nurse after Game Four uh, talked about uh, he he was having a conversation with the Precious Achua. Reporters were asking him. Uh, what what that conversation was about, and here's what he said: Being down three zero is 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 difficult, but but let's get it to three one, and then it's not three zero anymore. And he just kind of said, he just kind of repeated that to me that it's not it's not three zero anymore, and let's go have some try to have some fun in Philly and see what we can do. It's not three zero anymore. That's the new slogan. You're not buying into this. Doesn't eh? hit so hard. I don't know. It did, it did, it, I don't think it hit as hard as Nick thought it hit. Maybe it hit harder to Nick than it did for us. But I was just like, it's not 3-0 anymore. It's like, we're, we're it's gonna, true though. It is. You're right. It is not 3-0 anymore. We're going to find a playoff cliche that hits, all right? Yeah, that, that did I think, not hit I think if it gets to 3-2, I want to hear all the ones about, you know, all the pressures on them. You know how yeah, you just, yeah, you know yeah. just shove oh, all yeah. the pressure back to the other side? Because mm-hmm. yep. really, if the Raptors win tonight, then then yes, we can start cashing out the house money. Like like everybody mm. need a casino-rama, you know, cash yeah. those chips in. Because 3-2 with a game six at home, I think, you know, small goals right now. I think that's yeah. all we're asking for. I want to see I want to see what this Philly team looks like. Yeah. If they're facing that pressure of having lost two games in a row, needing to close out on the road so they have to avoid this game seven. That's that's all I want. So. Yeah. Again, like going back to the poker analogy, you know, Raptors, Jack 10 suited. Okay. Yeah. You this go, is the you, longest you, hand you, ever. You go man. all in. The, <laughs> yeah. It turns out the, uh, the Sixers have pocket kings. Yep. Right. The flop comes. There's a king on the flop. And uh, you're already committed at this point, but game f- game four was essentially the turn comes, and all of a sudden you are you have four of a you have you know four of the same suit. You're almost there at a flush, right? And you, you have really a, you just... have a flush and a straight draw. Sure, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I would say we only have a flush draw right oh, now. Oh, okay, I would say okay, maybe okay, later okay, on okay, we have okay, a straight draw. Okay, okay, okay. No, I'm just saying like it, it's starting to look a little better. It's starting to look a lot better, and um, you know, th- again, I think the biggest thing is. You show that you can beat them. You show that you can c- compete with them, and you just had to come out with the same game plan. There will be tweaks. I'm sure the Sixers will make adjustments too. Um, I know Doc Rivers between games is a, is a really good adjustment kind of coach, and we'll see what he does. And quite frankly, he's probably not going to let Pascal play the same way. Probably see a lot more zone, um, and we'll see how the Raptors anticipate and how they how they come back from that. Obviously, of course, you'll have Matisse Thybulle on that end as well because he has remained in Philadelphia and so we'll see how that impacts the series. But at the same time, I feel a lot more confident now. And quite frankly, like it's like I've been saying this a few times. It's just the Sixers, man. Like you can beat them. Like there's this is it's not the it's not Lebronto. It's not like the, the the Warriors of old. It's not like I don't I don't even know. Like it's just, they're just a good team. They're a good team. They're they're a good team. They shoot fifty percent from the field every game. They shoot forty percent from three every game. They haven't even had a cold game yet. Every single game they're they're on right. Um, and the Raptors haven't had a you know scorching game from three. No, we the, the Raptors shot. I think their worst percentage from three in game four, and they ended up winning that game. Yeah, twenty four percent. Yeah, definitely only eight threes because there was no uh, no free fries to redeem in the McDonald's app yesterday. Yeah, that's tough. So, but yeah, so let's take the break. When let's we come back, let's talk about Scotty Barnes's return in game four and celebrate his rookie of the year win. Let's do it. I'm your host Walu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to. 
The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Welcome back to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm your host, Will Lou. That is producer and co-host Alex Wong. And we have reached the point where we have to talk about Scotty Barnes, who made his... Um, it was just a really, really cool moment seeing him return, even in warm-ups, you know. And uh, he returned to the game, obviously not 100%, uh, 6 points, 11 rebounds, but uh, had a big moment in the game, before the game, um, in practice the day before the game. So, Alex, man, take it away. Yeah. By the way, uh, just checking the YouTube stream, uh, apparently I owe Scotty Barnes an apology. Yes, because... So, yes, let's explain it, this. This is the context, okay? You and I don't know anything about college basketball period and so when we were doing um content around last year's draft we were talking about the, the prospects and we, we watched videos and stuff like that again like you know we, we? Had, okay fine i was watching okay. some draft videos or whatever and people were like well you know there's there's this scotty barnes you know whatever like six nine you know again like at the time the assessments of scotty were not nearly as good as scotty ended up being so you have to give the raptors a ton of credit you gotta give scotty a ton of credit and quite frankly, you might have to like just taint, take some of these uh, these draft videos with a grain of salt in the future, right? So I don't think players are as simple as like a slideshow that includes like strengths, shooting, dribbling, weakness, defense, <laughs> um, rebounding, or something like that. You know, like I think players are probably more sophisticated and, and more complex than that. Most humans are. You can't just put them on a on a, on a graphic and a slideshow, whatever, right? So, but the reason why people want us to apologize is because we had made this ongoing joke that the name Scotty Barnes sounded like an Associated Press reporter from, from Indiana. Yes, yes. That, that, that was the this extent. Is the old, that's the extent of what happened. Because, again, as we <laughs> no, mentioned that, at that time, we don't know anything about the draft, bro. That was Nothing. The, that was the extent of uh, draft analysis that we were providing. <laughs> that, not, I'm not even kidding. Go back and, and, and look for running back. Yeah, so uh, for, for people who want the apology, apologies to Scotty. Okay, you know what? We apologies don't want... to everybody. You know what the apology came in the form of? Propaganda hour. Right. For right, like right, right, right. two straight months, we were just doing propaganda hour every single week. We were pressing voters. And when you look at the final tally, it's like, good thing that happened. And good thing everyone made a huge effort from people on Raptors Twitter who were like literally every single day that were just like on there posting stats. And, you know, obviously the Raptors themselves were sending their care packages to people and sort of just trying to persuade and, you know, trying to obviously lobby for people to get interviews and stuff like that. For example, like it's not a coincidence that Scotty won on ESPN you know, on NBA today and, and, and you went on and talked about his case for the for rookie of the, of the year and, and Pascal made his case for, you know, like there's a lot of people that go into making that happen, right? Right? There's there's all there's a there's the propaganda campaign here and then there's the propaganda campaign out there. Right. And it took a huge effort and, you know, it, it was like the closest rookie of the year vote since how long? Yeah, since I've been around, I think. Oh, okay. uh, Scotty finished with 48 first-place votes to Evan Mobley's 43. Mm. And in the final tally, Scotty had 378 total points to Evan Mobley's 363. So, yeah, I don't know how much, you know, our conversations with the American media members really swayed them. I, I think... A lot of them we know. I wouldn't even call those conversations. It was mostly just me talking <laughs> at them for nine straight yeah, minutes. It was just you campaigning and then me trying to sneak in with Orlando Magic references on like the one time that I sat in. 
But all those people make very reasonable, uh, you know, they, they take a look at the award voting from a very reasonable perspective, right? Like, they, like for as much as people want to say that these guys don't watch the Raptors, yes, some of, that might be true for some of them. Uh, but yeah, it, yes, it is. yes. Not, not, not really the media members we end up talking to no. on the show because we're selective about it, but a lot of people don't watch yeah, the Raptors. Yeah, but guys like real. Kevin O'Connor, Dan Devine, like even Tim Bontemps, I know we weren't oh, able yeah, to win that vote, like, they, they no, no. follow Tim, Tim and was, watch the Raptors a lot. Tim was not bucking, man. Tim was like, no, I just need to lower taxes. I don't care about any other social policies. Tim's like, I don't want to hear any of these stats. Yep, yep, anyway. <laughs> but anyway, so, yeah, so uh, before game four, after the Raptors had a practice, they gathered together, and there was a surprise for Scotty, a video message from Vince Carter, the last Raptor to win Rookie of the Year. So here is the clip of Vince Carter's message for Scotty Barnes. Yo, Scotty! Scotty Barnes, what's up, man? It's Vince Carter here. Hey, I know you're busy and locked in for the game. I get it. But I just want to say I've truly enjoyed watching you play this year. It takes me back to when I was a rookie and I was able to win the 1998 Rookie of the Year Award Trophy. Oh. Great memories, man. Great memories. I want to give you some quick Raptors history, if I could, since we're on the subject. Did you know it's only been three Raptors players in franchise history to win this award? David Stoudemire, me, and a six foot seven rookie from West Palm Beach, Florida, my fellow Florida boy, Scotty Yeah, man, congratulations, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you continue to achieve success in the NBA. You're up next, bro. You're up next. Yeah, for people who have not Damn. seen this clip, you can go check out the Raptors' official account. Now, this was an open gym clip. clip. Yeah, Come but on, but man. you have to watch this clip. Such a great moment, and you can see on Scotty's face too as he's realizing yeah. what's going on. So Scotty was asked about this moment after uh, Game Four, and here's what he said: In practice, I was wondering what is he talking what, about to talk to us about, and <laughs> then. He was just going on, and I was starting to realize. Uh, but, of course, it was a goal of mine all year to try to win it. Uh, but I didn't really try to overthink it or try to do so much. I just did my role, do what I had to do, and winning helps with it as well. Winning and, does help. Oh, absolutely. Which, by the way, like I, I know a lot of people are upset. Like uh, By the way, like you know, as you can imagine, uh, Cavs fans were very salty about this. Um, Pistons fans were salty about this. I saw even Rockets fans were salty about this. I'm like, come on, guys. Really? 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 Y'all are salty about this? Just just, just go get... Give no, Jalen no, Green the just, Asian Heritage Month Rookie of the Year award, then. The Utah Watanabe Award? Oh, come so, on. Come on, man. Come on. Going to have to issue another apology, he's please, the Utah of the Year. All right, anyway. Utah. <laughs> shout out to Takashi. Uh, shout out to Takashi. Takashi's shout the to first Akiko person. Too, yeah, shout out to Akiko. Yep. Takashi, first person to tell me that the Raptors are going to come back from 3-0. So That's right. If they don't, Takashi, I'm expecting an, an, an on-air apology from you as well. There you go. Um, But, no, seriously, though, uh, I know people are salty about it. Look, it's it's a really good rookie class. Like, I think they should just focus on the fact that they have really good players. Like, if I was a Cavs fan, I would just focus on, wow, what an improvement we've made this year. Garland is really looks like a real guy. I think our our, our strategy of the three seven-footers really worked out. Jared Allen was a really great trade and also a really great signing. And then Evan Mobley was a really good supporting player around all of that. And he fit the system well, and it worked really well. If I was a Pistons fan, I'd be like, wow, the way Cade Cunningham closed out the season, the kind of games he had against um, – Brooklyn against KD against all these other tough teams. I mean, the, the way they beat the Raptors three times, like 
I would be focused on that. Cade Cunningham looks like the real deal. If I was, you know, a, a Rockets fan, I'd probably, like, switch sports. But, like, if I was still going to be committed to watching the Rockets, I'd be like, Jalen Green is really electric. He can really Good score. Night, Houston! <laughs> yeah, okay, that's what I'd be saying to basketball if I was a Rockets fan. But, like, seriously, though, like, I would be pretty happy with the fact that he looks like one of the most electric scorers in this league already as a rookie. I wouldn't be that mad about the fact that Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year because guess what? Winning does matter. Like, how does winning not matter? Also, by the way, winning really mattered when, when Evan Mobley was in the lead. But all of a sudden, after the Raptors, ended up taking Cleveland's everything. Remember this? Cleveland was in the playoffs proper. Top six all season, right? And then what happens? Injuries happens to them just like every other team. They got hit by it really hard. I'm not going to pretend like I'm not sympathetic. But quite frankly, I'm not that sympathetic. And the Raptors took their everything. They took their playoff spot. They took their rookie of the year. And guess what? They got into that play-in scenario with Brooklyn. They lost that one. Then they got into a play-in scenario with Trey Young. They lost that one. And now they're just chilling at home. And uh, you know what? I'm, I'm not that mad at it, quite frankly. So I, I, I guess I could see ultimately explaining all this, why they're mad. But quite frankly, Scotty's had a phenomenal year. I'm really, really happy for him. He's exceeded all expectations. If you go back to his training camp and thinking about it, it was like, okay, so Pascal's out. Who's going to start? And I remember even a conversation that we had super early on was like, well, you know, Chris Boucher has a really good case to start in place for Pascal Siakam. He's just coming off a career year. Like, you know, he can really be effective. He always produces when he's in starting five. And Nick decided from day one, I'm going to start Scotty Barnes. And honestly, even for Raptor fans, like as soon as we saw him in Summer League, even dating back to Summer League, it was like, wow, this guy's incredible, man. Like he was just like doing everything, even just back then in Summer League, the competitiveness to make comebacks in Summer League. Again, who cares about Summer League? The Raptors did. Scotty did. You could tell how much he cared about everything. Um, from day one, obviously, him coming to Toronto. And remember him and Delano had their incredible day in the city where – Obviously, for Delano, he's been here a million times. He grew up here. But, like, you know, just seeing them across the city, going to Drake's house, you know, um, going with, with Karna Afishal to The Real Jerk and the, the Raptors surprising him with all sorts of extravagant activities. I think it was his birthday, too. It was, yeah. Yeah, like, this whole season has really been about Scotty, and I'm so happy you got it at the end, man. He completely deserves it. And, uh, yeah, again, everyone else is bad, but, you know, <laughs> that's cool, man. We got Rookie of the Year. Yeah, so a couple of his teammates talked about the accomplishment after game four as well. Here's Thad Young talking about what makes Scotty such a unique player. You get a, a superstar type player. Um, you know, you know, obviously like he's in his first year, but you get continuous growth. Uh, you, you get different things that you're not used to seeing from uh, individuals, you know, that, that play this game. And, you know, he's, like I said, he's just a special player. He's He has a, a unique... Um, you know, mindset. He has a, a unique thing about him that, you know, he brings to the game each and every day. And the biggest thing, you know, we can say he's unique. We can say he's special. But his work at um, you know, he comes in, he works every single day. And he puts in the time to, to get better. And he wants to get better. And he's always on himself just like, you know, his teammates are on him. So, you know, those are the things that really – you know, stand out about him, his work ethic. And, you know, you don't see most guys that have a lot of work ethic sometimes. You know, another great trade by Masai Bobby in the front office, you know, I think moving down 13 spots in the draft uh, to acquire Thad Young so Thad Young can tell Scotty how special he is every day. Every day. It's a fair trade-off. No, it totally is, man. And, and you know, for honestly, for, for the Raptors, it's like everyone, like obviously you don't want to move down 13 spots, but at the same time, based on how the draft shakes out, who they might have – at 20, which is what their first round pick ended up being, could very, very well be available at 33. 
this is kind of a moot point, but I think obviously bringing Thad in really helped. I thought Thad was one of the big reasons why the Raptors were able to win in game four. And you know what? All these guys who have been around the league a long time, they recognize this talent that Scotty has, right? We heard from KD. We heard from, you know, Bradley Beal. We heard from Jason Tatum. Like all these like top players, we, we heard about LeBron saying, man, I saw, I saw like Scotty Barnes in the womb. And I was like, this guy, I saw his, uh, his, his natal skin. And they were like, <laughs> they're like, oh man, this guy's it. He's gonna he's gonna put thirty one on seventeen he, on me one day. He's him. <laughs> he's LeBron him. said he's him. That's not, in the gender uh, reveal, they were like, he's him. Okay. But, no, but seriously though, like all these stars have said it. But I thought this quote from Fred Van Vliet was also just summarized the case perfectly. You want to know why Scotty Barnes won Rookie of the Year? Hear from the man himself. Oh, it's special. It's special. You only get one chance to get that one. So uh, he deserved it. You know, I tried to support him as much as I can without, you know, discrediting the other guys in the race this year. But I thought he was by far the best rookie this year. And that's not to say who will be the best player, you know, in 10 years. That's not what it's about. I thought he had the best year on the best team contributing. Um, he was, you know, special for us this season and uh, playing off of guys a lot, too. You know, it's not like we're giving them the ball every possession and letting them, you know, dictate everything. So um, I know how much he wanted it. He did it with a pure heart. He came and he worked every day. He was available. And, um, and I was just so happy for him that he was uh, rewarded and acknowledged for that. No, man. Yeah, by the way, speaking of Scotty being him, so a lot of teammates congratulated him on social media as well, on Instagram. David Johnson, the, the rookie that we know nothing about, uh, posted in the comments and called uh, Scotty Barnes him Duncan. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. So, All right. So we, we're going to prove that nickname. It's been a nickname drought. So we're going to be called. Yeah. That's, so we're calling Scotty him Duncan uh, from now on. So we're going to prove that one. But oh. yes, let's take this break. When we come back in the second hour, Louis Zatzman will join us. And we'll also me and you look ahead to game five tonight. That's right. I'm your host, Willu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590. The Fan. To the Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. I'm your host, Wolu. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. I continue to be joined by co-host and producer Alex Wong. And we are also joined in this segment by Louis Zatzman of Raptors Republic, first team all Raptors Twitter nerd. What's going on, Louis? Hey, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Why do we laugh at every single person from Raptors Republic who comes on? Last week, it was Oren with the greeting, and uh, Lewis is bringing the positive energy today. Oh, what's, what's going on, Mr. Lewis? Not too much. Just uh, anxiously awaiting the game tonight. Yeah. No, likewise. Likewise. I feel like our, our vibes are very high right now, but... Obviously, if they lose game five, then uh, it'll be a very somber mood on the show tomorrow. However, uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Lewis, actually, we were talking just before the break here about Scotty Barnes winning rookie of the year. And look, I, I know that this is a really good year and there was a lot of really talented players. A lot of different fan bases are fairly upset that Scotty ended up winning. And obviously the vote was quite close with Evan Mobley. What were your thoughts on the rookie of the year race? And, and I, obviously, I know you cover the Raptors and you're from here and this is your team and everything like that. But 
What did you make of Scotty Barnes winning rookie of the year? I thought it was on one hand, super well-deserved. He was incredible, just a phenomenal performance, but also all the other rookies so good. Like not only did he win, he beat one of the best rookie fields that I Mm. can really remember. Yeah, that's true. Uh, A lot of the coverage really devolved into criticizing the other guys. That's not, I think, worthwhile. Uh, Herb Jones, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley are all future stars, like really talented class. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, Scotty, I think, uh, was pretty clearly the best rookie. And what a season. Just so impressed by everything I've seen from him as a person and a player and could not be um, more congratulatory about his win. Yeah, you can tell like how much like people rally and gravitate towards him. Like that reaction from his teammates. First off, it was super cool. The Raptors or whoever came up with the idea for have, for Vince to, to announce it to him is just like well done. Because when you think through like the history of the Raptors and like Raptors culture and everything like that, like man, to say like I was rookie of the year and now you're rookie of the year as well. The Raptors have had three rookie of the years in like twenty five six seven years of existence like that's that's pretty impressive like we're basically guaranteed a rookie of the year every once every 10 years alex i know you're the raptor historian on this one how, actually I mean, let me ask you actually how do you how did scotty's rookie of the year compare to to vince in, in his rookie year because i wasn't around for that one yeah i think similar excitement i think vince carter came through at a time when the franchise was really on a downturn like david sodomar had just been traded uh mm. i think the year before or somewhere close and then wasn't really sure what the direction of the franchise was going and that was back at the time when people were talking about especially with the vancouver grizzlies moving on to memphis that hey like is basketball really going to work here in toronto and that's why there's been so many documentaries made like the carter effect and everybody talks about you know his impact on, on the game here in toronto that still lasts today like he him coming through as a superstar player really put the Raptors on the map, I think, you know, not as much for Scotty because basketball is more established now and the Raptors are coming off a championship, but they were also turning a page with Kyle Lowry leaving this summer. And for Scotty to really step in and be this like beacon of optimism for this team, not just for this season, but moving forward, I think, you know, I think there, those are the similarities uh, there. Uh, Lewis, I want to ask you too about Scotty. You know, we talk so much about all the things that he does on the floor. Like when you look back on his rookie season, what what is the one as- aspect of his game that has you most excited about what's to come for Scotty Barnes? No, that you mentioned it with Kyle Lowry. There was a cultural hole on the roster, and of course, Fred VanVleet is you know such a natural leader uh, on the court, off the court. He picked up a lot of what Kyle had left behind, but culturally. Kyle meant so much to this team. And I think that is where Scotty Barnes is most significant. What am I most excited for? It's so hard to say. He could be a point guard, Magic Johnson, right? He could be a wing uh, who just scores over everyone, Scotty Bar or Scotty Pippen type guy. He could be a big who is the biggest, strongest guy in the league, Giannis Antetokounmpo. We have no way of knowing. But the way that he carries himself always hugging everyone, smiling, laughing, the way he's a killer on the court, looking back constantly with every fast break <laughs> he's ever had. Looking this back guy, at Kevin Durant, man. Imagine ex- this. This guy may laugh and smile 24 hours a day, yeah. but when he's on the court, he wants to kill you in a way that we haven't really had beyond Kyle. And so I think uh, he means more 
to this franchise than most we've had. And especially losing someone who means the most, it, it makes it a very uh, uh, serendipitous uh, acquisition. Wow. No, this is this is great. Honestly, like we could we could sit here and, and just shower Sky with with praise and love all segment long. But of course, we also have a game to play here. And I, I think you know what. Speaking of Scotty's return, right? So, Lewis, I want to ask you about the fact that the Raptors went to this six nine forward strategy. We've seen it all season, especially in the second half of the season, when the Raptors would go on the floor, no traditional point guards, honestly, no guards. Period. Right, because the Raptors played the start of the fourth quarter for a very long stretch until the Sixers went into a zone. That's when Gary Trent Jr. came in. Until that happened, the Raptors went with this all-forwards lineup, and it worked really, really well against the Sixers. And I guess my first question is, like, why did it take so long for this to come out? And second of all, like, why is it so effective in this specific matchup? Yeah, really good questions. I think it took a long time because the Sixers are running a defense that is saying, please hit threes on us. Like, they're begging the Raptors to shoot. And so the obvious solution is to hit threes. I mean, threes are the like one of the most efficient shots in the game. They've revolutionized basketball. You know, we're all up on the analytics fad of the 2010s. And so the Raptors' first solution was let's get our shooters out there, right? When the Sixers first played zone in the series, Nick Nurse's counter was to get Fred Van Vliet in the game immediately, right? The next dead ball. But... This Sixers defense will not be broken by shooting, at least not the shooting that Toronto can put on the floor. What breaks it is attacking the rim, beating them at their own game. Someone has to challenge Joel Embiid at the rim. And you saw Pascal Siakam do that at the end of game four and draw a boatload of free throws. You saw Chris Boucher and Thad Young giving a huge boost off the bench Mm. because Boucher was cutting and Thad Young was hitting him rim points. Scotty Barnes is a guy who can attack from the outside, you know, blow past that rotating defense and just cram it on Embiid's head. Shooting is what the Sixers want Toronto to do, but being tall, the 6-9 lineup, and just getting to the rim is what's going to beat the defense. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, seeing that identity on both ends of the floor right because the Raptors owning the paint is just not something that's going to happen too often in this series just because of the fact that Joel Embiid is so dominant but whether you want to chalk it up to the fact that he has that uh you know a sprained right thumb or anything like that or like when, when the Raptors actually play the five uh six nine guys at once like I actually do feel like the Raptors now all of a sudden have that dominance in the paint whether it's the pressure to get on the offensive glass whether it's the ability to to, to get on the break and finish at the rim instead of finishing with like a catch and shoot three on in transition or something like that, or on defense, the amount of rim pressure they're able to, to bring against, um, you know, Joel and B coming over was, was tremendous. And, and honestly, like, I think the other thing is just Fred not being available for the second half of that game. And obviously not playing game five here too. It's just like, it kind of forces their hand too, in a way. And I think Lewis, I wanted to ask you about that. Like the, the impact of not having Fred, um, Clearly, this version of Fred is very limited, but what are some of like the silver linings that his absence does introduce to this specific series? Yeah, so uh, I'm glad you introduced it like that. I've heard so many people say, you know, Fred is hurting the team being on the court with this injury. I disagree pretty heartily with that. Fred is so critical to this team. And not just what they do, but the way that the Sixers sort of game plan for this Toronto team. Um, So silver linings. 
good way to put it. The silver linings would probably, um, most importantly, be just being bigger, exactly what we've already discussed. Uh, it is a way for the Raptors to sort of solve their forward glut because they have a lot of guys who uh, can help the team on the bench. Precious Achua defensively, Thad Young, his passing, you know, his shooting from the corners, Chris Boucher getting to the rim, offensive rebounding. But when OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam are both going to play over 40 minutes a game, how do you have those three bigs come off the bench and still play real minutes? And the answer is just play gigantic all game long. And so that might be Toronto's best identity in this series against this team. And so having those extra minutes to free up to play people who are uh, 10 inches taller than Fred Van Vliet might in some ways uh, steer Toronto's identity towards uh, fitting better against the Sixers. Yeah, I, I think, again, like, nobody is saying Fred, in, like, well, I'm not nobody. I, I, I know there are facetious conversations happening online all the time. This is, I guess, um, just what sports fandom is and a lot of fandom is, quite frankly. But um, we know that this is, like, a very limited version of Fred. We also know that in some respects, this is a bit of a bad matchup for him as well, right? Because if you're talking about a guy who's on a bad knee and now on a bad hip, closing out against a guy as quick as Tyrese Maxey, like that's that's going to hurt you in some respects. Obviously, you also have yeah. the size on the floor and James Harden's trying to hunt one-on-ones and, and Tobias Harris is looking at the attack in the post. Like There are things to to try to go at. And I think when you put the 6'9 guys out there, it's it's that's probably one of the most underrated um parts of watching these games and how enjoyable it is it's like seeing james harden come down the floor and he's got og on him and he's like all right let me get that screen it's like okay i got precious on me let me get that screen i got i got i got pascal on him it's like ah, what did you do all this screening for like you gotta get the same match every single time and i think that's something that you don't get that element of like okay you have to yeah. compensate for this or you have more length to sort of put against maxi and like you know what i think the the thing to, to really focus on is the fact that the raptors have won games against the sixers this season without fred on the floor i mean we saw in the two regular season games towards the end of the season fred was out og was out the raptors won both of those now regular season of course you can't fully take it over but you know you saw a lot of those all six nine forward lineups uh against the sixers and, and succeeding against the sixers in those games of regular season i think we're going to see more of it tonight but um if the raptors do need another guard though lewis for tonight's game um and they have to extend the rotation who do you think it'll be I don't think they'll play another guard. Oh, okay. I mean, the Sixers can't pack the paint anymore. Fred had 12 three attempts and a half this series. <laughs> oh, okay. It, it's not like they are trying to stop the Raptors from shooting. And so if the Raptors, say, put Armani Brooks out there or Banton or Malachi Flynn, I mean, maybe one of those guys, Brooks most likely, hits two threes and the Sixers start closing out, running them off the line. But I think much more likely is the Sixers say, fine, that's your offense now. This guy can fire away semi-contested. Mm. And I think that's not what the Raptors want. They want Pascal to have the ball a lot more. And so if I were to play a guard, I would probably choose Brooks just because he's the biggest and has proven himself to be sort of the shootingest this season at least. Um, but I, I probably wouldn't run a point guard at all. I, I'd ask Scotty to play point guard. I'd ask Gary to get some touches, Pascal, and just be big all the time. You don't think my guy Malachi Flynn is going to get some minutes tonight? No. Hey, he played he played great defense against James Harden. I was really that's impressed right. with that. Yeah, that's true. But 
the offense right now is what needs ungumming, and that's where the Sixers are going to add their adjustments, and I just don't think he helps the offense enough. I think we were talking about this last week, Will. Malachi hasn't scored in this series, right? He has He's not. He's at zero points? He has not, okay. but he has had a lot of moments where other guys haven't scored on him. Mm. Mm. Okay, so it's a nil-nil draw right so, now. When yeah, on that's the what floor. I'm trying to say, man. This this guy's human Jose Mourinho, or Jose Mourinho. He's really just going to park the bus <laughs> against these guys. No, I mean, I, I think, you know, the one concern I do have is, so you go back to Philly, right? The only matchup that I haven't really liked so far for the Raptors on the perimeter is Gary Trent Jr. attacking Matisse Thybul. That's That goes yeah. back to the regular season where Matisse had some really nice games defensively, a lot of, like, two steals, three block kind of games, a lot of deflections, and... Obviously, he hasn't been playing in Toronto because he's only got one or two shots. But, like, you know, do you anticipate life being more difficult for Gary as the lone guard out there because of the fact that, you know what, this, the rest of the team is going to crash the glass. The rest of the team is going to play in the mid-range. OG's going to hit some threes. But realistically, it's going to be up to Gary to bring a lot of that perimeter scoring. And without Fred on the floor, you don't have someone taking the pressure off of Gary to do that. Is that a concern for you? In in some ways, I think it does hurt the Raptors' offense in that specific way. But there are other ways it opens it up better. Danny Green is bigger than Thibault and a better post defender. And mm. the Sixers have been hiding Maxi with just total terror in their eyes all series, getting him into the corners post-haste to get him away from Toronto's wings. And in Thibault and Maxi, now they have two guys that I think the Raptors could hunt in the post. Whereas before, it's only one with Danny Green getting all those minutes. And so Scotty Barnes, OG, Pascal, one of those three guys will be able to score on Max uh, on Thibault pretty easily back to the basket. And so I think it does hurt Trent, you know, in isolation, his sort of attacking rotations, uh, rearview contests. But it opens up a few other things as well. So I'm not sure it's as big an advantage uh, for the Sixers defense as people make it out to be. Yeah. No, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, now, I think for this game, um, you know, you're probably going to see a lot more Thad Young again. It was a little curious to not see as much Thad earlier in the series. I know, obviously, he sprained his thumb and, you know, there's issues there. But obviously, he played through it in game two. Game three, he didn't really see the floor much either. Um, but game four, he made a huge impact. Uh, what's What's been the thing that's standing out to you about Thad Young? Because, you know, for me, whenever I watch him, I guess the way to describe him is just like he does the right play all the time. That doesn't sound as descriptive. Um as maybe I would even like to really appreciate Thad Young. So just, I, I, would lo- I would love for you to break down some of the nuances of what Thad's doing for the, for the team. Man, he tries to do things that other people don't. He just, whereas, whereas other people see a crack, maybe they don't even see a crack in the defense. Most players would say, nah, I can't fit the ball through there. I'm just going to rotate it, get it to Pascal, let him make the decision. Precious is the one guy who says, no, I'm just going to do it. Except his do it just means I'm a drive, I'm a dust people with in and out dribbles, I'm a shoot a pull up contested too. He will do something, but that something usually looks like he'll try to score himself. Mm-hmm. Whereas Thad Young will see a crack, he'll see small openings, and he'll go for the home run ball, right? He'll throw that uh, over the shoulder pass from the post, he'll hit cutters, he'll hit swings, he'll handle a little in transition. He will not defer to the the stars in the same way that the rest of Toronto's guys will. There was a play in game, I think it was game four, uh, early on in game four, when he got the ball against the zone, sort of couple probing dribbles, uh, 
And the Sixers were saying, oh, he's going to pass to one of the stars. He just never did. Took it in layup over a late contesting Embiid. How many times have we seen a Raptor even try to have a layup with Embiid contesting them? Yeah. Not a lot. They, they haven't been trying. Thad Young will try. So, yes, he, he always does the right thing. You know, he's smart, Ken Birch-style guy. But he tries at least to, to hit, you know, uh, shots that aren't singles. Yeah, no, it's, I think that's that's really well said. And I think that um, it's a different dimension to the offense, too. I think it really helps uh, other guys to sort of settle in a little bit. I think it's not a coincidence that he fed Chris so many times. I think for, for a guy like Chris, he's so aggressive when he's playing off of other guys, whether it's attacking the glass or hitting, yeah. you know, the rim runs and stuff like that. And it was like it's it was a little bit similar to, like, the synergy you usually see with uh, Chris Boucher and Scotty Barnes where, where Chris would get to the basket and Scotty hit him with a no-look pass. It's like... I mean, Thad's looking, but it's it's still a really, really nice <laughs> style of pass that he's delivering, and I think that brings it, you know, even just those moments where he can handle a little bit, you can run the offense through him in the post just on a few possessions. Like those things really help for the main guys because you know Pascal's gonna have the ball. Like honestly, Pascal might have the ball like 120 touches tonight. Like it's he's gonna have the ball all game. He's giving me the point guard and he's gonna attack and just to give him even a little bit of a break for someone else to create something that's gonna be huge. Um, you know, I was thinking about Pascal and his effectiveness in this game, and I was thinking about, well, how will the Sixers adjust, right? Because you're not just going to let what happened in game four happen without adjusting, right? I'm sure Doc Rivers has something in his uh, in his bag for, for Pascal. And my main thought was just, what if the Sixers go to a zone? And I want to hear your thoughts on that. If the Sixers go to a zone, what do you think the Raptors should be trying to emphasize to to break that zone, especially now that you don't have your best shooter in Fred VanVleet? My... F- greatest fear for the Sixers adjustment is that the game Toronto won was a Saturday afternoon game, right? Friday night in Toronto is a nice night. What if their adjustment is just playing a Monday night now? They have James Harden on their team. That is a real adjustment. Maybe they just don't go out the night before. Uh, But against zone, I don't know. If the Sixers play zone a lot, I think that would be great. Toronto has scored really effectively against their zone. It hasn't looked great, Mm. but in game three, Nick Nurse said uh, actually before game four, they scored 1.3 points per possession, which is incredible. Game four, they scored 1.8. It's just the zone doesn't do much to hurt Toronto. It makes them look clunky, but it doesn't make them miss. And so what I would Mm. do if I was the Sixers, and I know that this is actually um, maybe controversial, I don't think I would adjust. Pascal Siakam, his favorite shot is that like weird six foot runner hook push, you know, shot through all sorts of contact and contests. And he's just, he is one of the best in the league at that shot, which for almost any other player is really hard for him. It's just money. He has not been getting that look at all against the Sixers. They've taken that away. He's had no layups. He hasn't hit threes. He has been relying on six to eight foot fadeaways you know, 14 foot Mm pull-ups and if he hit all of them in game four, he shot like 60% from the short mid range, maybe higher in game four. If I'm the Sixers, I'm saying, look, he's not getting the shots he likes. He's taking about the hardest diet of shots against the hardest defense any player in the league has ever seen. Maybe he's not going to make as many going Mm. forward. Okay. Well, what if he does? That means he's better. Like it, we saw Joel Embiid put up 
the superstar performance in Game 3, right? Yeah, the Kawhi yeah. Leonard against the Sixers in Game 7 level performance. And then we saw Pascal do that in Game 4. If Pascal does that in Game 5, in Game 6, in Game 7, then, oh boy, we got a stew going. This is oh, something man. else. Like, if that happens, then the Sixers can do nothing but shake their heads. Oh, man, I love a stew, man. It's funny to me, like... <laughs> this is spent... where Alex jumps in. He heard food, and yeah. he's like, oh, I gotta ask. I, I popped my head up. my mic on. <laughs> Yo, I got this. I got the next 60 seconds. It's funny to me, I'm thinking about this whole conversation, like, us doing a two-hour show, and we haven't even mentioned James Harden at all. Yeah. So, I mean, he's shooting 37 I mentioned the yeah. Friday night. Are you talking about Lou, yeah. are you talking about Lou Williams with a beard? Oh, no, yeah. he's literally playing like Lou Williams with a beard. I'm just saying like, he's shooting 37 <laughs> percent in the series and he has not hit more than two threes since game one in game four. He was five of 17 in 42 minutes. Granted, he has still been living at the free throw line. He had 11 free throws in game four. He's averaging about eight free throws a game. But I mean, this is clearly not the same James Harden. Um when you're looking at how the Raptors have, have defended him, ha Lewis, has it been anything that the Raptors are doing or is it just, we're just seeing James Harden in a different part of his career? The craziest part is they have been defending him less as the season has, as the series has gone on in, in the beginning of the series. They said, James Harden's still a killer. We are going to shade everyone towards him. He just racked up assists passing, you know, just one pass away. Boom. Three. Or one pass away, Maxi drives, boom, layup. And now they're paying that attention all to Embiid. They're saying he's the star. You know, we're not going to open up cracks when Harden has the ball. And, I mean, Will mentioned it right at the top of the show. He gets a switch and sees one guy. Oh, no, I need another switch. Oh, I need a third one. It's just there is no one that he is beating. In this series, he is shooting better from three than he is from two. He is settling for step-back six-footers when he's guarded by one guy. If Pascal Siakam was guarded by one guy in this series, he'd be scoring 80 points a game. He's guarded by four every time he touches the ball. So, yes, we've seen James Harden in a very different part of his career. And look, he's, he's still a genius. He's an incredible passer, great at drawing free throws, contact. He's still a good finisher when um, he has a guy on his hip rather than in front of him. So he's still doing, you know, good things, but he's not doing game-breaking things. You know, even when he scores 20 and 10, the Raptors can still win those games. And so I think the Raptors need to keep him in single coverage, trust that Precious, OG, Pascal, even Gary uh, will be able to get stops against him because uh, elsewhere in Maxi, in Tobias Harris even, and in Embiid is where the Sixers are finding the, the meat of their offense, not with Harden right now. Yeah, fair enough. All right, Lewis, last week before we go, Fred's not in. What's the starting five tonight? I would go absolutely gigantic. So okay. uh, Scotty Barnes, point guard, Gary Trench, shooting guard, OG Ananobi, small forward, Pascal, power forward, and Precious Achua, center. I love it. That's what Nick went with for the second half of uh, game four. It worked really yeah. well. And uh, yeah, look, I just would love to see it. If, if I had to guess, they'll probably start Kim. You know, and here's my theory with the Kem thing. Obviously, we know Kem is not as effective as Precious. I think at the very start of the game, Embiid's at his most energetic. He's going to try to bulldoze you right away. And then, you know, like five minutes in, he's going to get tired, man. You know, I know a lack of it's endurance. A good theory. I, I know a lack of endurance when I see it. So who's going to take on that first brunt of five minutes 
And, and I think that's what Kem's going to come in for. He's going to take the hits for five minutes, and then you're not going to see him for much of the rest of the game. Yeah, just hit that one flick shot. He missed that one <laughs> flick shot in game four. Yo, whether he flicks that shot in or not, it doesn't matter, man. No, come on, it doesn't you're matter. You're going to have just a chance to hit that one flick shot. We know from the warm-up report, this is all Kem practices. So when that flick shot is available first four minutes tonight, that's that's going to be the momentum changer. That's what we need from Kem. There you go. Two points it's and seven minutes of defense. It's funny that when Ken Birch came to Toronto, he's like, oh, I can stretch my wings. I can shoot threes. I can do all these things. And now Nick Nurse has him shooting exclusively flick shots. Yeah. Well, Lewis, appreciate you. You know, read all of Lewis's work. Raptors Republic, 538. You know, um, anything else you want to plug, Lewis? No, I have a piece coming out in probably about uh, 10 minutes in 538. Oh. Which is, uh, which is exciting. Guys, this is always... Uh, so so much fun thank you for having me for chatting with me yeah i yeah. appreciate you mr lewis i'll see you at the arena Why you on thursday mr. lewis all the time man? for game six <laughs> i'll see you guys at game six that's lewis asman raffles republic um by the way i was uh very i'll kicking myself because i was thinking back to when oren was on on friday which by the way this is a, it's become a legendary appearance when oren was on it was just like <laughs> we should literally call. he was actively <laughs> moaning his way through the segment okay um, <laughs> call him Mona Lisa. No, but seriously, I was gonna. Next time we have Oren on, we gotta call him Eorin. Oh, okay. This I like guy's that. Literally sounded like Eeyore for real. No, we should. We should just call Oren whenever we need like three minutes to kill. Like he's just always on standby. Oh, uh, to Oren. Shouts to Lewis. Right now, man. No, everybody should should check out all of their work. Yeah. There you go. All right. So last segment, we're almost there. We're gonna talk about our game five wish list for oh, tonight. All right. Let's do it. Um, I'm your host, Wolu. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Welcome back to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. I'm your host, Wolu. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong, who I hope will be asking more than two questions in this segment. Alex, what's going on, man? Yeah, people don't know behind the scenes. Will has been telling me to step up. Oh, my God. Uh, ever since the Raptors fell down 3-0. No, you know, it's, it's just crushing, man. I hate to see things end, but, you know, <laughs> things won't end tonight. Uh, shouts, by the way, to Ali Khan of the Toronto Blue Jays messaged me earlier yep. today. He's taking a day off and uh, told me he was going to be tuning in live, so... Shout out! Shout out nah, to AK, man. Yeah, AK, if you see this, hit me up, man. I might want to go to the Jays game tomorrow. See my guy. Why are you always Kevin Gaussman? Why pitch. are you always asking people for things, man? Uh, <laughs> Do things for other people for. Anyways, once, somebody said in the chat that they want Will Lou to compare the Raptors to dim sum dishes. I'm so mad about this because I can't believe we haven't come. Like you and I have not come up with this idea. You know. It does no. Have we done this before? Can, can we, I feel like can we've we amend done the this. drop to uh, Fred Van Vliet to sticky rice? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> anyway, that's a good one. Yeah, we will do that in the offseason. But come on, we have, we have playoffs to talk about, man. Oh, was, we sure what's do. What's going on, man? Have the playoffs to talk about. The Raptors are in Philadelphia tonight, 8 p.m. Mm. I'm just going to list out everything. Is it a sports night game? If it's if it is, tune in. If it's not, uh, don't tune in. Uh, so at morning shoot around today. Nick Nurse talked about how Scotty Barnes felt after playing in game four, said his sprained ankle was a little bit tight and sore and he's getting treatment and rest. Doesn't think that his availability tonight is in doubt, but they're going to see how he is. I don't think there's any concerns. 
about Scotty's availability. No, nah, I think, I think this this is this time we can take Nick at face value for his for his <laughs> can injury we, updates. Though? No, when, when have you been able to take Nick at face value? Sorry. Give me one example right now. No, no. You got to know how to read Nick Nurse. Eventually, you, you get into <sighs> enough of these, you understand. Okay, so for, for game, remember after, um, maybe before game three, they were like, is he going to play tonight? He's like, uh, maybe. Right. And then you have Scotty walking around and people are like, ooh, wow, he might play. And then ultimately, he doesn't play, right? The next time, they're like, well, is he going to play tonight? He's like, mm, it's very doubtful. I don't know if he's going to play, man. I I I don't, I don't even think he needs to buy two shoes anymore. I think it's just he's, he's in that boot forever. And then all of a sudden, oh, my God, he's playing. So, you know, sometimes you got to read it a little bit. But in his case, I do think he's going to be fine. Um, it was a little bit of a scary moment in game four when he did tweak his ankle. Um, Paul Reed on a very innocuous play just kind of bumped him on a screen and he went down. But he's saying the game he was okay. Um, and quite frankly, I'm expecting a lot more from Scotty, right? Like, I thought he was Good on the glass. Clearly, 11 offense, uh, defensive rebounds is very big. Um, I think his de- uh, defensive impact was good. I think even him moving the ball around was good. But, like, you know, we also know Scotty's capable of a lot more than that, too. And I think with Fred out, there's a big chance for Scotty to do, um, you know, a lot of point guard duties for the Raptors tonight. And, uh, you know, if we see another triple-double kind of performance like we did in game one, I, I would be very, very thrilled. So, um, Looking forward to it, man. I mean, I look again. The, the thing when you watch back on game, you know, four, it's like OG didn't shoot the ball well. Fred got hurt. Precious only, you know, he ate that highlight play, but he didn't have a lot of points. You know, and, and Scotty, as good as he is, like came in and had six points and missed a whole bunch of jumpers and felt like he was uh, really rusty, as you would expect. So there was a lot to improve from game four. And if they do that, then, you know, why can't they win game five? And then why can't they win game six? And then we're going to be in for the most chaotic episode ever. Oh, man. Why not seven. us? Why not us? That's right. Is what you're saying. The We yeah. Believe Raptors, baby. Let's do it. Let's go. Print the shirts. Fred Van Fleet, like we mentioned, is out with a hip flexor strain. He said he sustained the injury in the first quarter of game one. He made a defensive slide and felt something pop in his hip. Obviously, he did not return to that game. And he mentioned, too, that he doesn't expect to be back for the remainder of this series. Mm. And But he is optimistic. You know, I would feel great about maybe playing in the next round. He said, quote, Nobody believes we can do it, but I think we can. I'm going to stay positive and get as much rehab as I can. I think reporters were joking with him too because we've talked about in Tampa last season when he sat out, he would go get the coaching, the coach's polo. Uh, the polo, yeah. The yeah, so cosplay. you might see that cosplay I think Fred, what Fred said, because uh, I was listening to the interview while you were stuck on the subway <laughs> <laughs> on the way to work, is the, is that uh, he's like, yeah, I got to see what... Which polo they're rocking today, and maybe I'll throw the top on. Yeah, he might be the only assistant coach to be sit on the bench though with the chain on. Right. Yeah. I don't really like the maroon color ones that they go with. No. The, if we're the, talking about it right now. Yeah, yeah. Some some not all polo shirts are made equal. Yeah. Some of them are more fire than others. No. Listen, oh, man, I think Fred's, I think Fred's coaching is obviously something that you know it's really cool to see. Like it, even if he's not playing, he's super involved in the game. You can always tell, you know, that he's in the ear of these guys. He's always trying to give these guys advice. It just like makes me admire the guy a lot, man. I mean, like the fact that he's played and got it through this whole season with the injuries and everything like that. I mean, like, man, if we had like the version of Fred from December before all the injuries, the, the and if we had that version of Fred in this series, like, it, man, like you, you would really, really have to change the way you defend just based on how good Fred was playing. And, um, I think the injuries have really hurt him, you know, obviously physically, but also just like, you know, it's probably just frustrating on multiple levels, like seeing him tear his jersey. Like, you know, Fred is always so even keel and he has very, very few moments where he pops off. But like, you could just tell the frustration. Like he wants to help this team so bad. He's a leader of this team. He's one of the major reasons why the Raptors are in the playoffs in the first place. And 
to see him not be able to contribute in that moment must have been really hard. But you know what? The Raptors are deep, and they have the ability to sort of uh, make up for him, not exactly him, because the Raptors don't have any other guards on the roster, really. But ultimately, um, you can change the way you play, and the Raptors can still compete. And, you know, if you, you know, win it for Fred, man. Yeah, win it for Fred. You know, I was listening to you and Lewis talk because I was definitely listening. Oh, you were listening. Uh, and, and not speaking. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this, just this whole strategy of not having anyone like outside of the six, nine guys play yeah. tonight. Like we saw how effective it was in the second half. And this I mean, is not, play. Yes. Yes. But like, this is not to take away, like, like you guys mentioned, I think there's a lot of conversation about Fred and you know, how useful he is, how impactful he is in this series. Like this is not to, like you mentioned, like the Raptors wouldn't be in this position yeah. Without Fred, like there was that two week period when all the starters led by Fred was playing the entirety of games mm. when they were a 500 team. Yeah, they were 23 and 23. And that two week stretch, I know Nick Nurse was get getting a lot of heat for that. Was that the eight game win streak? Yeah. And that's when yeah. they went on that eight, eight game win streak to get themselves, you know, a chance to, to be where they're at right now. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. I think. I mean, I hate doing the what ifs, especially because the series is still going on. But that is another huge what if for me. If we look back on this series, right? Like yeah. Fred's health. Well, I mean, I think in, in moving forward in, in future seasons, like you, you have to. It's it's very similar to what have what used to happen with Kyle. The same pattern would happen where Raptors would rely on Kyle. Kyle would obviously play as hard as he can, and they would got out a ton of wins, and they would win a lot of games at the start of the season. And then like Kyle would pick up an injury midway through the season, and he wasn't as effective. Remember him in the playoffs with the elbow and and like you could still see the scars on, on Kyle's elbow when you see him play with the heat. Like it's you know, that that thing was really major. You know, like he he got hurt in that in that twenty seventeen season, remember before the all-star break. I don't know why he went golfing afterwards, but that's the now the hero under there. Um, you know, but you know, he didn't play in much of that first round against um well, I guess he did play against Milwaukee, but was not nearly hundred percent like I mentioned, he had a four point game. Uh, and then he didn't play the final two games against the Cavs when the Raptors got swept that first time in 2017. Like, you know, there, there's just like, there's a pattern that goes into it. And eventually the Raptors kind of realize, okay, look, we have to like pace Kyle's season. We have to sort of let him um, play at his own rate and, and give him some capable backups. And that's, that's ultimately one of the reasons why Fred got a lot of minutes was like, okay, we need somebody to come in and step up. The thing is now Fred needs his own Fred, someone else who can actually buy him some time. So he doesn't have to play 53 minutes. <laughs> Which he has at times this season. So, um, but you you can't ever question his heart. You can't question his his competitiveness. And again, if he was fully healthy in the series, like, man, Raptors would be up three one. The Raptors literally haven't had their fully healthy starting five, like really at any point. Yeah, yeah. Of this series, yeah. Not for an entire full game. So game five, wish list tonight. Mm. What is on your wish list? I want to know. You know, what would be a good three stars for you for you tonight on, on the React Pod, Mr. React Pod? Like, uh, who are the officials for tonight? <laughs> no, I'm serious. That, that's my yet. number one wish for this for game five. Okay. Is for them not to like cave and be cowards because oh Joel and B called us out in the media and now we gotta give Joel all these calls and whatever. Like, no, my number one wish is just for a fairly officiated game. I whether the Raptors win or lose, I can accept it so long as the officiating is fair in a consistent manner. Whatever man if they choose to call it tight in the early start of the game. Call it tight throughout the game. Call it tight on both ends. If they call it, choose to call it loose and they choose to like let them play and let them be physical, let that happen on both ends of the floor. I don't want to see, oh, Raptors, are, um, Scotty Barnes has three fouls in four minutes. Or, oh, Pascal Siagam has two fouls in the first five minutes. 
I don't want to see that kind of stuff. I want to see the players decide the game, not the officials. That's my number one wish, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm with you because I don't want to see eight seconds in Pascal Siakam guarding James Harden and yes. getting called for a foul, even though he's just playing defense straight up. Yeah. Like that, those type of calls really set the tone for these games. And, and you know, obviously referring to game one, I think for me, we know, you know, for all the talk about the officiating and the complaining, you know, Joel Embiid's a really competitive player. And I think he understands the stakes for tonight to be able to get his team past the first round and get himself some rest with the thumb injury. I think they're going to have to withstand a huge first quarter, just a huge first quarter push from the Sixers tonight. And whether, you know, the crowd is involved, the officiating, however that goes, you know, I just want to see the Raptors show that composure Yeah, because that's what you need to win a game like this on the road in the postseason. And I really think the Raptors can do it. And I think you've drilled this into my head for like the last three, four shows is that these are just the Sixers. Like to me, Yo. this is not an opponent that you can't beat. Now, can you beat them four in a row coming back from three? Oh, like, okay, that's a separate conversation, but can you get that win in Philadelphia tonight? Mm-hmm. It's a very doable assignment to me. Yeah. Um, the officials tonight, by the way, John names Goble. are. Yeah, yep. their names are John Goble, Global Ambassador, James yep. Williams, yep. and Trey big, Maddox. Big Willie. Their yep. names are. Oh my God! <laughs> what a what a drop! Uh, do you have any scouting reports on those three guys? Um, Global Global Ambassador has been. I'm gonna tell you off air. I'm gonna tell you off air. Oh, okay. What? You can't, what do you mean? How <laughs> bad is it? I'm gonna tell you off air. No, but no, those are the officials for tonight's okay. game. And, and listen, like I think. I don't want this conversation to always happen. I just want to see like a really balanced game. That's it. And I don't. I don't mean balanced like oh both teams have the same amount of free throw calls. Like that's not how free throws are decided. You decide how many free throws are shot based on how the defense happens. But allow the teams to play defense. Don't put people in foul trouble unnecessarily. And let's see the players decide the game. It's gonna be very hard fought. It's gonna be very competitive. It's probably gonna be extremely close. And you know I don't want to see at the end of it that Joel Embiid's going over to clap the refs again. Or if they if they are then, um, you know, that's probably a good thing, actually. Yeah. Maybe I do want to see that again, actually. My wish list is for Joel Embiid to go over and clap the refs again. Yeah, I want to see the Raptors just rise to whatever the physicality is going to be tonight, right? So I want to see the refs rise to the physicality, (laughs) man. Let them play basketball. I'm so sick of this. You know, this is Eastern Conference, right? This ain't the West. This this ain't Memphis versus, uh, you know... uh, you know, uh, Minnesota, where the games are so chaotic for no reason. No team has any control over what happens. Everyone just takes dumb shots and does dumb fouls, and they score like 130 points. Like, I don't want to see Western Conference basketball. I want to see classic Eastern Conference, East Coast basketball. You want to see a slugfest. I want to see a slugfest, man. And I want to see the teams be able to have their players on the floor. I don't want to see Embiid in foul trouble unnecessarily. I don't want to see James Harden in foul trouble unnecessarily. Just like I don't want to see how Fred and Scotty and all these guys in foul trouble unnecessarily. That's it. Yeah, next on my wish list for the Raptors to have uh, just an out-of-body experience from the three-point line. Like you mentioned, 24% from three in game four. They haven't really had one of those outlier games so far. Uh, Why not us? Why not tonight? Why not tonight? Well, Fred's out. That's half your threes. Okay, that's tough. Okay, yeah, okay. Um, okay, maybe take this one back. No, 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 no. But seriously, though, I I think this will be a game where you do need some three-point shooting from... Thad Young, who has been hitting those corner threes. Precious they, they, Achua. Leaving him wide open, by the way. Like, yeah. Look, I know Thad shoots it, and it looks weird and funky or whatever, and the Scotty Report says, you know, whatever, he's only shot 30-some-odd percent in his career. Can't leave the man wide open in the corner all the time, man. Come on. Like, have some respect. Guard guard the man, okay? Or maybe don't, actually. Keep leaving him open. But uh, I, I need some threes from Chris. 
Precious Achua. Precious Achua hasn't really gotten going from three. Maybe a little, yet. little seven threes from Gary Trent Jr. tonight. Mm, I love that. Because listen, man, the Sixers have shot the three incredible every single game. I would just like the Raptors to shoot uh, really well from three once in the series. And by that, I mean like 15 threes made, which is an average game for a lot of teams. But for the Raptors would be, you know, manna from heaven. Yeah, no, I want Rob Polinka. I want 22. Um, how about next on the wish list? 22. Uh, this guy trying to get extra large fries. Man. <laughs> and a free filet of fish. This guy told the Raptors offense, super size. <laughs> next on my wish list, uh, a generational performance from Scotty tonight. Mm. Just a signature game okay. from Scotty. Um, I don't know if you've heard this. So ESPN's Justin Tinsley has this really, um, it's a very simple theory to a seven game series, but I really like it's a 2-1-1 theory where he says that in any series, your best player is going to win you two games, your second best player is going to win you a game, and then your role players will win you a game. So who do you think won the game for the Raptors in game four? You would you say Pascal, Pascal, right? Of course, yeah. So we're going to need a win from Scotty tonight. So Scotty's got to win them a game tonight. You know, we'll, we'll see how the ankle is. I don't know. Are we placing too much? Are we asking too much no, no. of Scotty? No. Like he was. No, you can't be like, hey, this guy's special, and then not expect him to be right. special. Like, yeah. Right. So let's have a special performance okay. from Scotty tonight let's do it. on the road. Let's do it. Hits the free throws at the end to put it away, you know? And then we can come in here tomorrow. And I, I don't wanna... know the idea of the Raptors <laughs> at the line at, the, at that <laughs> critical know, moment. I'm like, ah, can we not? Why, why are the free throws always so difficult in the fourth quarter, even in game four? It's because Nick plays in 56 minutes per game, and they're probably a little bit. No, I'm kidding. Well, uh, you it's, know It's because they haven't developed that many shooters. on the, Like, let's be real. Precious Joe missing two free throws is not like the biggest surprise in the world. No. But you know what? of the pressure. You, you know, know so. what? All hands on deck tonight. They're going to have either two days off or four months off. So. Damn. So, so which side which side of the, the game are you on? That's the question. Anyways, I'm trying to be objective here. Uh, next on my wish list, uh-huh. uh, Pascal Siakam. want him to have the same approach to game five as he did in game four. Yeah. I think it's good to bounce back from your disappointing game three and have a really good game four, but it can't just be one game. It can't just be one game. Like mm-hmm. now you're into the series. You've had a great performance. You feel comfortable. Your team needs you on the road in a must win I want Pascal to do the exact same thing. And whether you get the foul calls or not, whether you get to the free throw line, stay aggressive, you know, stay like this. The offense is going to run through you, right? It's not just about scoring the 30 points. Let's see the playmaking. Let's see the defensive effort. He has to lead the way tonight. I think it's got to be him, Scotty and OG. No, it's got to be him and him. Duncan. (laughs) Him Duncan Duncan. is really good. David Johnson, get another contract. David Johnson has earned it. David Johnson has earned it. We, we've joked all year about not knowing a single thing about David Johnson. Now we do. Him jo- Now him, we do. Him Duncan. Yeah. <laughs> this guy said him Johnson. <laughs> Five more minutes, guys. Five uh, him, more minutes. Him Wiki. Um, <laughs> What else, man? My next one is I, I want the uh, game three and four Tyrese Maxey to show up mm. tonight. Remember at the start of the series, 38 points in game one. Philly fans egging him on to get to 40 points. Oh, yeah. They were basically just laughing at the Raptors, as they should have. Blew him out in the first two games. So 38 points for Maxi in game one, 23 points in game two. Series shifted to Toronto. He had a combined 30 points in games three and four, including just an 11-point performance in game four. Are you seeing, like, are you seeing anything different from, like, the Raptors defense? Yeah, how they've how they've guarded Maxi? Well, again, this is one of the other benefits when you have the the all forwards lineup is that you can now switch a lot of actions. So you're not seeing that Tyrese Maxi is just coming off a screen. And early in the series, 
The Raptors were not willing to help off of Joel Embiid. They were not willing to help off of um, James Harden, which you might say is smart. But the thing is, you don't necessarily have to help off of them if you switch those assignments, right? So now it was like, okay, Fred's guarding Maxi. He's coming off the screen. Uh, Embiid, you know, screens Fred. And now all of a sudden, it's uh, Maxi has the ball going downhill, but Embiid's man's not sliding over to stop Maxi because they're worried about Embiid catching the ball. So they're just going to let Maxi get downhill too late. He gets the basket. He scores. A lot of transition opportunities, whatever. The Raptors weren't playing good offense, allowing a lot of transition opportunities. He was scoring on those. Catch and shoot opportunities are scoring on those. Now, all of a sudden, two things have happened. One, they're playing James Harden a lot more one-on-one, so there's not as much reason for guys to be leaving Maxi that went in the same way, right? The, the, the Raptors were overreacting to, to, to James Harden early. Tyrese got a lot of that added attention, and he's really, really good at capitalizing off of that. The other thing is now, when you have that same pick and roll, and in, instead of, like, let's say it's, like, Pascal guarding Maxi, and all of a sudden it's, like, I don't know, Precious guarding Joel, that same screen comes over, and all of a sudden the Raptors just switch that assignment. Now Pascal's going to be the one holding up Joel in the post, and Precious going to be the one contesting Maxi, contain him, force him to drive, force him to score. He's a young player. I expect him to play better at home anyway. I think he's better than 11 points, but ultimately I think the Raptors are actually making tangible strategic elements to try to keep him more quiet, and it's absolutely the right move because he's shown to be so good already in this series that he can beat you, so you have to treat him the same way you treat him, treat some of the stars. Not in, in the same way, and not you're not sending double teams on him, but you're also not rotating and leaving him nearly as much. And I think the Raptors are getting a better handle on this. And uh, again, they're going to have to keep him quiet, though, because I think Tyrese is somebody who the Sixer crowd really gravitates towards. And, and I think that's a big element, too, when you think about it, because like when the Raptors, right, when Scotty checked into the game, right, the, the, all the energy in the building was for Scotty. Like there was not much energy at the start of it anyway, but... They were, they were chanting Scotty when they were showing him just during warm-ups because everyone had known at that point that he had to go rookie of the year. They obviously gave him a huge ovation when he won rookie of the year, and Messiah came over gave him that glass ball, which is apparently the trophy. Although I thought the trophy was like a square thing. I've actually never seen the rookie of the year award. Like, that was the first time I've seen it, but you, you're not very impressed by it. Well, neither has Evan Mobley. Um, <laughs> and anyway... Uh, you know, and of course, during the game, when Scotty checked in off the bench, there was a huge ovation for him. And of course, when he scored, there's a big, big moment for him, too. So there's certain guys that the fan base really loves and it juices up the crowd. Tyrese is that version for Philadelphia. So you cannot let him get going. Yeah, I want to hear some boos for James Harden as well tonight. Maybe a little two for 11 performance. Mm. I feel like we haven't seen the I, I would, I I haven't say, seen like, the worst of James Harden yet. No, seriously, James Harden has to like really thank Joel Embiid because Joel has really single handedly taken all the pressure off of uh, off of uh, James Harden, who, as you mentioned, is shooting under forty percent from the series. You know, he has not scoring well. Like the the assists are really nice, but ultimately he hasn't really been a number two guy. He has the ball a lot and he operates the offense really well, but in terms of the scoring, he has not been the secondary score. That the, that the Sixers will need in a lot of these series. So hopefully that remains like that, of course. The Raptors have done a good job guarding him. But he's got to, honestly, like this is probably the one time in, in James Harden's career where he can shoot 5 of 17 from the field and people aren't, you know, uh, slamming him on first take the, the next day, you know? No, it's honestly remarkable. We've barely talked about him yeah. in this entire series. Yeah. Um, only a minute to go, so quick break in case of emergency. Higher ambitions. Update. Goran Dragic and the Brooklyn Nets facing a sweep tonight. It'd be nice, you know, Raptors extend the season tonight while uh, Goran and the Nets go home. That'd be really That's nice. my dream. So is Goran going to Miami again? Oh. <laughs> He's definitely going to show up in round two. <laughs> He's going to join the nah, coaching staff. <laughs> Goran's going to put on the coaching polo like Fred tonight, man. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, listen, let's go Raptors tonight. Let's get back to Scotiabank Arena mm-hmm. on Thursday. We can say what up to Harrison Sanford there and all of our friends. 
Feeling good tonight, though, bro? No, I'm feeling good, man. Again, this is, again, how's money, man? How's money? You, all the pressure is on the Sixers. You win this game. You come home in game six. You take that one. Anything can happen in game seven. Mm, that's cool. that's got to be the message that Nick delivers as well. So that does it for us today. I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show, powered by DoorDash on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts. And subscribe and please rate and review our show. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday between 1 and 3 p.m. Thanks again to my producer and co-host, Alex Wong. Thanks to our guest, Louis Zatzman, our board producer, Derek Brandeo, and Jennifer Rolnick for helping us behind the scenes with the YouTube stream. I will talk to you soon.